Last week, if you remember, the readings focused on the mercy of God and how life-changing that experience is and can be. And so for myself, during my Masses, I used the example of Alessandro Serenelli, who was the murderer of Maria Goretti when she was 11 years old. But while he was in prison, how he experienced God's mercy and then proceeded from there to reform his entire life, he became a Capuchin friar and ultimately died as a member of that community. And I ended that reflection by encouraging everybody to seek this life-changing mercy that is available to us regularly in the sacrament of confession. But there's more to be said about the economy of mercy and how it works, which brings us to today. So, okay, you've examined your conscience, you got on your knees, you poured your heart out, you received absolution, so far so good, right? You walk out of the box, you step outside, you breathe in the crisp fall air of freedom in Christ. Now what? Where do you go from here? What's the plan? I think most often we don't really have one. There's sort of this unspoken plan of like, well, now I just try harder. What does that mean? Try harder at what? Oh, I don't know. Uh, being perfect. At what? I don't know. Everything. Okay, good luck. What does that mean? What does it mean to be perfect? How do you know that you're satisfying the intent for which this whole thing was meant? What I'm saying is we need to have a plan. We have to have something to aim at. Otherwise, we have no idea if the purpose of that mercy has ever been realized. Because I suggest to you today that God actually has a plan in that moment. You know, when God frees the Israelites from Egypt and he strips them of their bonds, he doesn't send them out in the desert and say, okay, here's $20 and I wish you the best of luck. He sends them out for a reason. He says to them to go out because he wants them to enter into a covenant with himself expressed in worship, a worship that he very carefully articulates. It's very specific. And so the point I want to make to you today is if God's mercy is to change our lives, which is what I said last week, then we need to know what our lives are meant to change into. And for St. Paul, the answer was very clear and also very simple. The answer is Jesus Christ. So when Paul is writing to the Philippians, which is what we heard in our second reading today, you'll notice that he's encouraging them by pointing to the example of Jesus Christ, who, in his mercy and out of love for them, forsook the glory owed to him as God, and he entirely emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, which is a human being. And he does this with a humility that is so deep, a love so comprehensive, that he doesn't just become man. He marches himself up the hill of Calvary, he climbs up on that cross, and he dies. Not for people who deserve it, but for people who don't. And so, St. Paul says to the Philippians, who have benefited from this kind of love, that now they are to go out and to love God and to love neighbor in the same way. So he says, do nothing out of selfishness or vanity. Regard others as more important than yourselves. And then he keeps going on. And he's able to say this because he's doing it himself. 
Remember, Paul in his youth was smart, handsome, zealous, rich in potential. He trained under the greatest rabbi of his time. And in fact, even in Jewish commentaries today, one of the greatest rabbis of all time. And he was respected by all in the community for his flawless observance of the law. This guy was all-American, we would say today. He's a superstar. And then what happened? Do you know? He's riding on his way to Damascus, and he encounters Christ there. And in that encounter, the work of mercy starts to happen. He instantly sees the wretchedness of his own soul, and it rips him apart from the inside out. While at the same time, not abandoned into his pain, Christ extends mercy to him and healing. And this experience was so transformative. That what is he doing now by the time he's writing the Philippians? Is he esteemed by all? No, he's writing from a prison cell. The dignity of his office is totally stripped. The social respect that he used to enjoy is evaporated. He's become now the scum of society. And he's doing all of this in an effort to be the love of God for other people that he himself personally experienced. And he will continue to go down this path all the way until he imitates Christ fully by offering his life for the sake of the gospel. And it's that man who today is writing to the Philippians and encouraging them and all of us to do the same. Because that is the fruit for which God's mercy aims. To be more specific, it aims to make us like himself. And we've got a lot of examples of how that plays out. Many of the saints, I mean all of the saints, but the great ones in particular, like the apostles who work miracles and they give their lives, or Elizabeth of Hungary, whom I love, who as a, as a queen, she surrendered her castles to the poor once her husband died, and she ended up caring for the sick, saving and reserving the worst and the most disgusting situations for herself. But let's be honest. I mean, how many of you are going to walk out of a box of confession and surrender a castle? I wouldn't even give it a room in my rectory. The truth is, many of us don't have the means or the graces for that kind of vocation. I mean, that's, that's a very special calling. But we commemorate on this day every year a saint who found a different way. That, of course, is St. Therese. You don't hear her in the prayers of the Mass because she's sort of swallowed up by Sunday. But St. Therese had this to say. You know, it has ever been my desire to become a saint, but I have always felt in comparing myself with the saints that I am as far removed from them as the grain of sand which the passerby tramples underfoot is remote from the mountain whose summit is lost in the clouds. So what's she going to do? Well, she concludes, for me to become great is, it's impossible. I must bear with myself and my many imperfections. But I will seek out a means of getting to heaven by a little way, very short and very straight, a little way that is wholly new. Now, the little way she's talking about is the practice of little virtues with extraordinary love. And so, Therese, in her short life of 24 years, she never surrendered any castles. She didn't work any miracles. She didn't die a martyr's death. She did none of those amazing things. 
She did, however, fold laundry as if she was doing it for Jesus Christ himself. She did smile at the meanest sister in her community. So often that sister one day approached her and says, Therese, why do you love me so much? She bit her tongue when she could feel the complaint rising up because she didn't want to poison her community with her negativity. And she found reasons in every situation, no matter how difficult, for gratitude. And she practiced this day in and day out, all the way until here she is, she's dying. She's 24 years old, she's got tuberculosis, her lungs are filling with fluid, she's suffocating to death. Her body is so emaciated, her hip bones are sticking out like elbows, and she's incredibly thirsty. So she says to the sister who's doing the death watch for her, could you get me a glass of water? So the sister goes off, gets her a glass of water, they chat a little bit, it's evening time, and Therese can tell that this sister is very tired having watched her all day. And the sister falls asleep seated in the chair. And Therese, who has not done anything great with her life, according to some of the standards, is so grateful for this sister's kindness and appreciating her need for sleep, dedicates what little energy she has to holding that glass every minute of every hour all night long so that she doesn't have to disrupt that sister's slumber by asking her to set it on a table. And she waits until the sun rises and that sister wakes up. Because Therese thought as little of herself as Christ thought little of himself and went through every length imaginable to show her his love, no matter how great and no matter how small. That's the mission of mercy. <coughs> it's daunting, believe me, but Therese wasn't perfect at it, so I'm gonna put that out there too. However, what we can say today is that we as Christians have received much in love, and now we must become divine love for others knowing that when this happens, the, the mercy that we have received has borne its proper fruit.